Welcome to The Excellent Fiduciary, a podcast from Roland Chris, where we explore what it takes to meet and exceed the demands of managing an employee benefit plan in today's complex market. From regulatory developments to fiduciary news and practical tips, tune in to The Excellent Fiduciary for your step-by-step guide in achieving compliance and confidence in a new fiduciary era. Now let's begin today's show with an introduction from our Roland Chris host. Well, I appreciate you joining us today for this episode of the Excellent Fiduciary Podcast. I'm Ron Hagen, and it's my pleasure to welcome Christy Arthur. She's Senior Director of Fiduciary Solutions at Roland Christ, and she is our guest expert to discuss our title, Payroll, Fiduciaries, and the IRS. Christy, you're a recognized expert in the policies, uh, procedures and administration of retirement plans. And I'm glad we could get some time on your calendar for today's episode. Welcome to the microphone. Oh, thank you, Ron. Thank you. I appreciate that intro. It's my pleasure to be here with everyone. Christy, our episode uh, titled Payroll Fiduciaries and the IRS is intriguing since those topics may seem only remotely connected. So from your perspective, why do they belong in the same conversation? Oh, that's a great kickoff question, Ron. Um, and, and I'll start us this way. So I, I don't think it's, it's going to surprise anyone to hear me say uh, payroll errors are the leading cause of violations of the legal duty borne by employers who sponsor retirement plans that are qualified under the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, or ERISA. That duty is to adhere to their plan's administration rules. Now, as we know, the consequences of those payroll violations can create severe problems from legal liability for the employers, personal legal risk for the plan's managers, who are fiduciaries under ERISA, costly administrative time to fix it, expensive restoration of missed contributions, and fines from the IRS. In addition, payroll errors are among the most commonly listed deficiencies in the annual audits conducted by CPA firms, and audits are now kicking off. So I think this is something that we all are familiar with. Now, the IRS did recently launch an amnesty-like pilot program that incentivizes employers to focus on their payroll systems during a new IRS grace period, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, that's an excellent answer uh, to this question about how the connectivity of payroll fiduciaries and IRS uh, occurs and the scope of legal uh, costs and regulatory problems that you alluded to is compelling. And I'm sure there are those in our audience who uh, are concerned about that as well they should be. And I think our audience would benefit from a maybe a more detailed discussion of those items from you. Well, I'm, I'm happy to oblige. I wish we didn't have so much to talk about, but unfortunately we do. Um, so first, let's, let's be sure we're all on the same page regarding the, the definition of payroll. What is, what is payroll? Well, those of us who play in this space, we know payroll is a whole bunch of names and numbers and codes and computations. And I don't know if anyone else is breaking out in hives but I think I might be. There, there is so much data for those who are involved in this level of administration to think about, focus on, worry about. 
Now, all kidding aside, I, I believe that our listeners know that every vendor output, our record keepers, our TPAs, our auditors, all of their outputs are only as good as the data going in. We we hear that constantly. You see that in, in kind of the fine print and your guides and things that you see online, your contracts um, in the fine print. So all those record keeper reports, your 5,500, your testing results, your audit results, all start and end with data from the client. And by that, I mean our payroll systems. Now, we find that many of our ERISA plan sponsors and their staff members, they still believe that their vendors are responsible for or somehow supporting them in validating the accuracy of their data. Like, well, the system's going to tell me if this is wrong or my audit's going to catch any errors when the reality is these vendors are absolutely not responsible for the accuracy of data. And there is not one system known to have the capacity to validate your data against all the federal requirements and your specific plan features. Now, even if a record keeping system could validate something like the contribution amounts that you are entering against participant deferral rates in the record keeping system, and some vendors are starting to do things like that, those vendors, their systems are still never going to know if the dates that you are including are wrong, like dates of hire, dates of birth. They're not going to know if compensation or hours are incorrect. And by that same token, your plan audits are not equipped to catch every error. Audits are limited in scope. As we know, they do not check every transaction by participant, by source, or payroll date. So what I'm getting at is that the plan sponsor, that, that payroll staff, all of those who support that payroll function that goes from payroll to the record-keeping system, the client owns the duty of data and data accuracy, 100% period. Now, given the amount of money that the feds spend, and, and not just the feds, but even vendors, the amount of money that is spent on informing and educating plan sponsors, plan administrators, all the guides, the pamphlets, the web pages, there's a lot of information out there. And it has had a seeming complete lack of impact on EBSA audits, investigations, and the resulting penalties and fees. Those really have not gone down. I mean, ERISA has been around for, what, 40 years? We really have not seen a dramatic decrease in penalties and fees over that amount of time. It's obvious to us that all of these education resources are not cutting it. We believe that our clients, our human resource leaders, our payroll specialists, they need more than a pamphlet or a 45-page guide. They need help. They need steps. They need a checklist. And they need someone to support them in performing and monitoring that payroll operations process. And I'd like to come back to that point a little bit later and discuss how our listeners can get that level of help. Well, before you do that, and I'm eager to have you expand on that. You've introduced uh, a couple of 
very intriguing thoughts here. And I'd like to go to the one that bears somewhat on the issue of penalties and costs with regulators that you mentioned. And I'd like, if you would, to expand on your earlier point about an IRS pilot program. That sounds interesting. Oh, yes, yes. And, and for, for many of us, this may be the first we've ever heard of it because um, the, the, the feds tend to, to they're all, it almost feels like they're being sneaky. They put the information out on their website and unless you're really tapping into that with some consistency, you may miss this entirely. So I'm, I'm really glad that you asked that question. I'm delighted to share this information. So here's what's new. On June 3rd of this year, just a couple of weeks ago, the IRS announced the launch of what they are calling a pilot pre-examination retirement plan compliance program. This is effective immediately. So this pilot program gives plan sponsors 90 days prior to an IRS audit of their tax qualified retirement plan, your 401ks, 403bs, defined benefit plans, 90 days to discover and correct any plan errors. Now, one of the benefits of this pilot, one of the communicated benefits of this pilot is that during this 90-day pre-exam window, if you find errors that are not normally subject to self-correction, that would normally have to go through the formal VCP filing process, during this program, you can appeal to have those included for self-correction. So, by implementing this kind of a program, the IRS is hoping to see that the financial and time burden of these retirement plan audits and investigations is reduced for the taxpayer, which ultimately means we hope this pilot program means less work for our auditors. Now, this is just a pilot, meaning it is of limited duration. This is a test run. The IRS is then going to evaluate the effectiveness of this pilot to determine whether or not they continue the 90-day pre-exam timeframe as part of their overall compliance strategy. Now, this program requires plans to fully correct any errors found. That can be a very tall order for larger plans with lots of participants and therefore lots of transactions to review. So the, the, the ultimate of this pilot program is you get a notice of exam or audit, you have a 90-day pre-period to dive in deep, find all the errors, and get them corrected. So ultimately, this program gives you 90 days to find the problems before they do. If we bring the IRS's notification and uh, amnesty-like program to bear on the issue of payroll and fiduciary management, what would be a a good summary of its impact from your perspective? Well, like I said earlier, I, I don't think any of us are, we, we've, we hear over and over again, if you've gone to the DOL site, you know, payroll and contribution file submissions continue to be one of the top sources of plan administration errors and the cause of those fees and penalties imposed by the IRS and the DOL. So, Based on the high frequency of the occurrence of those kinds of errors, it, it really would not be surprising if some of our listeners oversee plans with those deficiencies currently sitting in their plans. And, and in fact, I bet on it. I don't know that I have seen 
one retirement plan ever that does not have these types of, of errors and issues sitting inside their payroll information. It sounds like this would be a, a rare moment then for employers to validate the data their payroll systems produce to ensure accuracy, as, as you emphasized earlier, and, and then to report any errors that uh, may require account corrections. But here's a question in my mind. Uh, the validation process inherently would require a standard against which to confirm data accuracy, uh, right? So against what do human resources personnel validate? Oh, Ron, that, that might be the best question ever. Um, you, I think you've just hit the nail on the head. This, this is exactly the intersection point where things start to fall apart for payroll operations, because because th those folks in, the, in our payroll departments, they have, again, they're touching so much data and they've got time constraints and they're just trying to get this stuff done right and well. And overall, that payroll data might be 100% accurate. You've got the right people, you've got the right dates, you've got the right gross compensation, hours, deductions. Where things get goofy is when we consider the standard how to apply the features of our retirement plan document to all of those payroll data points, which will, I was going to say may, but really it will create new or different data points for entry into our record keeping systems. That standard of validation you asked about is our plan document. Now, obviously, there are some, some federally mandated limits, but most of what we are validating against when we talk about this kind of audit or review is the plan document features. So your gross compensation for that pay period may be right, but is your eligible compensation right? Are bonuses included? Which ones? Are there certain ones that are included or not? Fringe benefits, how do you define that? Is it right? Were they excluded? Is that allowable? We see that cause problems all the time. You've got new hires in your payroll system, but who is eligible? Who might be missing? I, I really believe that this is where things break down because this is where things get really confusing. You, you and I both know we've, we've, we've read these documents. Some of these provisions are just, they, they feel awful. They're written in legal jargon. They're not at all easy to comprehend. On top of that, you often have staff turnover. They're, they're often repeating a flawed process and they don't know this is the way we've always done it. I'm doing what I was taught to do. We hear that all the time. And when you start to dive into these processes, when you start to question stuff, when you find these issues, people get a little freaked out. They get worried. No one wants to be doing this stuff wrong. They, they tend to get pretty scared about that. But Reality shows us that this is where folks need help at this intersection point between the plan document provisions and payroll operations. And that that is why I am really just, the, the timing is perfect for us to talk with our listeners today about the Roland Chris Payroll Protect Program. I know you've been eager to present a real solution to the issues that you've just addressed. And I also know how much work went into the development of Payroll Protect uh, for you and your team and how it's having an immediate impact on payroll and fiduciary management challenges. So give us a glimpse, if you will, into how it works. Uh, 
I, I would be delighted. So, so we at Roland Chris designed this payroll protect program to address five primary areas of retirement plan administration. So if our listeners have a pen and paper handy, you, you might want to jot this down. So we see the most errors happen in these five major areas. So I've already mentioned our first one, compensation. And, and if compensation is wrong, if your eligible compensation is wrong, that's a trickle down. Everything else is going to be wrong. So compensation is number one on our list and where we see a lot of issues. Number two is eligibility and enrollment. That's really the second step. You take all that compensation information, you apply it to those who are eligible to be in the plan. You get them enrolled on a timely basis per your plan document provisions. So two is eligibility and enrollment. Three is then those inflows, your contributions, your loans, your rollovers into the plan, and making sure that those amounts are qualified and correct. Four would be vesting, which is which is huge. Um, how much of those employer contributions, given those employer contributions are accurate, how much of that amount do your employees own? And if vesting is wrong, then your outflows are wrong. And that's number five, outflows or distributions, making sure the amounts are accurate, making sure those distributions are qualified and you have proper documentation of that process. Now, that pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? Our listeners are probably thinking- Yes, it does. Well, yeah, what, what else is there? Determining who's allowed in and when, determining how much goes in and when, um, how much of those contributions are they due? When are they allowed to access that money? So reality is a standard, consistent, regular component of our internal controls processes needs to be to have a date with our plan document. So like I mentioned earlier, when, when you're running a massive payroll data against those provisions, a new set of data is created. So my recommendation to our listeners as, as you start considering internal controls like this is snuggle up with that plan document, pour a glass of wine or, or 10, you're probably going to need them. Um, get to know your document and your plan's features, print it out, write all over that document. What makes sense to you? What does not make sense? What might need to change? And, and then conversations need to occur about any questions that you might have. When we ask our payroll operators and administrators about the last time they actually read the plan document, we mostly hear crickets. Uh, we as fiduciaries to these plans, we have got to give our folks the tools and resources that they need to be able to perform their functions right and well. They want to do it right. They just... Most of them do not even know or understand the, they don't even understand the why behind the information that they are transmitting to the record keepers. They don't understand the function of that information. Many of them don't even know about the deadlines or the timeframes um, within which that data has got to be put into the system. Um, and most of them do not really know their plan document. So we have got to make sure that our folks 
um, get that assistance and understanding the plan document, what it says and why. That is paramount to payroll internal controls. Well, you've introduced this term internal control, and I find it to be very intriguing because I'm not sure uh, how broadly payroll is thought about as an internal control mechanism. Yet when we see annual plan audits from CPA firms, we frequently see deficiencies written up in the audits that, uh, that focus on the lack of internal controls in uh, various areas with inside, inside ERISA plan administration. So if Payroll Protect is an internal control system, and you've certainly made the case for it to be such, then how does it fit inside an organization's current compliance programs and does it? Oh, uh, uh, so great question. So, so uh, some of us won't even be familiar with internal controls until or unless we do see this stuff come from our auditor. Um, and, and we're seeing more and more from our audit firms, a request for those internal controls. And that is who's doing it, why, how, what systems they are looking for step by step as to how our clients are validating the accuracy of their system setup there and then the data that comes out of that. So, so you asked, how does Payroll Protect really fit within an existing compliance program? And we find, although I would love to hear that our listeners have existing internal controls and, and many do, but many, many just do not have the luxury of having these internal controls set up. So here's how we've established Payroll Protect um, to, to really help our, our, our listeners and our clients. Payroll Protect is that standardized workflow. It maps a pathway to the data accuracy, and it offers the risk management that we know many, many employers still desperately need. It, it is that payroll internal control that we're talking about. So Different companies have different needs. They have different levels of available resource and capacity for taking on um, what is often a brand new procedure that's never been done before. So to try to accommodate all different types of corporate personalities um, and, and capacity, we offer three levels of support. So for those administration teams who feel that they can manage an internal control like this, in-house, they've got some expertise, they've got staff who can perform these checks and balances. We do have a series of checklists and then we have an online secure fiduciary file system where, where folks who do it this way can retain their completed checklists, they can retain all of the, the backup supporting validations for their reviews. And I would call that the, I can do this option. We, we, we've got the capacity to do this in-house just, just tell us what the steps are and we've got it covered. So we've got that, I can do this option. For those who, yeah, we've got capacity, we can do this in-house, but you know what? We would really like some additional consulting. Can you walk us through each checklist? Can we talk through our systems and processes? Can you give us some ongoing support in case we have questions as we start working through these validations? We have a second layer for the in-house option that offers that level of consulting. And I would call that the help me do this option. Then 
and I think a lot of folks are probably going to be interested in this, we have a third option. And this is for those who do not have internal capacity, do not have internal resources or expertise to try to implement a, a, an internal control for payroll operations validation. And I would call this the do it for me option. Now, let me be very clear about something. This level of service, every plan is different. Your payrolls are different. Your codes are different. Your systems are different. Your people are different. Because of that, the do it for me option is highly customized. The scope of service and the pricing depends on the plan, your plan's features, number of participants, payrolls, data points, and vendors. And there are security limits to what our team can access. So I do want to be very clear that even the do it for me option is a partnered effort. The client will have to engage with us. It will be a back and forth um, for, for those clients who are currently using the payroll protect system, you know, when we do find things we're having to, to collaborate on, okay, what caused this, um, what happened here, and, and collaborate on corrections. So it is still a partnered effort. And even though you have outsourced it to Roland Chris, there will still be time that the client needs to spend in the process. Well, Krista, you've done a terrific job of answering my initial question about how payroll fiduciaries and the IRS are connected. And I want to thank you so much for that. Uh, it's, a, it's a deep issue. Uh, there's an enormous amount of detail to it, and you've been very succinct in your presentation of it. Uh, you covered a lot of ground, but I think it's possible our listeners might like to learn more. So is there a resource you recommend for them to get more information on these topics? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you probably the simplest thing is just give us a call. You can pick up the phone and call us. Our toll free number is 800 440 3457. I'm going to say that again 800 440 3457. So, simplest thing give us a call. Let's talk about what your needs might be, what your questions might be, um, and we can get you pointed in the right direction. You can also go to our website at rolandchris.com. And right there on our homepage, you're gonna scroll down about midway. You'll see a black box that says payroll protect. There's a button to learn more. And when you go to that next page, you're gonna get more information about the payroll protect solution. And then there's gonna be an ask Roland Chris button. And through that, you can send us an inquiry. So really either way, give us a shout or go online and let us know that, that you'd like to visit with our team. Well, as we wrap up this episode of the Excellent Fiduciary Podcast, Christy, I, I want to thank you again for taking time to uh, participate in the discussion of this uh, topic. It's uh, critically important. And I also want to thank our audience for your participation. Uh, we enjoy receiving feedback on our podcast, so please make your comments about today's episode on the podcast page. We look forward to hearing from you. And you may also contact us by email at excellentfiduciary at rollandchris.com. Join us on our next episode. And until then, have a great day.